In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. Welcome to It's Personal, Finance Canada. I'm Christine Conway. And I'm Cameron Conway. And this podcast is a very personal look at personal finance in Canada. Welcome to It's Personal, Finance Canada. I'm Christine Conway, here with Cameron Conway. And today we're going to be talking about turning over financial control to someone that you love and trust. Or you hope you love and trust. And that we really hope takes it seriously and understands all the obligations. So today we're talking about powers of attorney, what they do, what you should know when you're choosing one, or if someone has asked you to become one, what does that mean? What are your responsibilities, your duties, and who do you have a responsibility to? Exactly. Once you get that other person to sign that paper, all of a sudden they're a lawyer and have all kinds of responsibility without seven years of school and they can go to the courts whenever they want. And you're looking at me like that's not what we're talking about today. Not a lawyer, but a power of attorney is a legal document that does give them the authority to do basically anything you can do with your finances, unless you specifically use the document to limit their powers. And we'll talk a little bit about ways you can do that. So just to be clear, in this particular instance, we're talking about power of attorney for your finances. So that can include your banking, that can include your investments, your real estate, your spending, lending, that kind of thing. Even basic things like paying your bills and keeping up with that kind of stuff. You're essentially bringing in someone else to help take care of your finances from, like I said, from bill payment, managing your bank account, having access to all the things you do if you structure it that way. Well, and the default that people go to on this is, oh, powers of attorney, you know, that's something I'm going to need years down the road when I'm older, when maybe I don't want to manage my finance anymore, and then maybe my kids will take it over for me. But I'd just like to say that this is an important document that everyone should have throughout their life as well. Um, I have a personal story. I know a fellow who's a doctor who ran a very successful clinic and unfortunately, he had a car accident that affected his memory that left him unable to practice. And he had to sell. He had to retire immediately. And he was not at retirement age. So this is something that you can put in place right away. 
either as a young person, as an older person, anyone really who has bills to pay, who has assets or debts that they've accumulated that are going to need to be managed, this is something that you're going to want to consider. So for the purpose of our conversation today, obviously we'll start by saying we are not attorneys. Well, we're each other's power of attorney to kind of go back to your original comment there, Cam. But um, we are not actual lawyers and the laws vary greatly by province. So what we've done here is we've gone to the government of Canada. They have a great document that we're going to link through here in the podcast that you can review. This has some really good general information. So like this podcast, it's going to be general. It's going to be high level to Canada. And then your job, if you decide to pursue this further, is to find a great local lawyer that understands how it works in your province, in your territory, and that can talk you through the pros and cons and the specifics for you and for your assets, your situation, including the choice of the power of attorney. Well, to start this off, let's talk about how you can actually go about setting up a power of attorney. And the first real roadblock safety measure is your mental capacity. You have to be at full mental capacity, verifiable by doctors, you are full sound mind, you can make conscious, rational decisions, and only then can you actually get this set up. This, these, All these safeguards are in place so people don't abuse the system and try and become powers of attorney when they really shouldn't. So it comes down to you as the person wanting to do it and being at full capacity, right? Right, and that's why we kind of stress the sooner rather than later. Because like I'd said in my my kind of first little story, you never know if or when there's going to be a change to something like that. It can happen pretty quickly. But this is kind of the acid test. And the lawyer that you meet with, if they have a history of doing these things, they will have a checklist. They will have a test that they will not tell you you're taking, but that will essentially just make sure that you are of sound mind. And if someone comes in, they're also going to be checking to make sure you're not being unduly influenced by someone else. So if you're someone maybe a little bit older and your kid's bringing you in and the kid is the one that wants to be named on the power of attorney, those are some of the questions that the lawyer might be using to look at this to screen just to see if they feel, because it becomes their responsibility once they've enacted this legal document for you, they feel that you are making this decision on your own, that you had freedom of choosing the person that you felt was appropriate in the situation, and also that you know exactly what's going on with your finances, you know what day it is, you know what's going on and you know general stuff about what's going on in the world, that kind of thing. Yeah, all those checks and balances by the lawyer are important because unless you really limit the document, there's a lot of things the power of attorney can actually do. So if you, let's say you go in and you just say, person X is my power of attorney, there's no restrictions. What are the consequences and how far can they go? Well, if you did something that generic and your your lawyer may have advised against it depending on the circumstances they could literally take that document to the bank the next day get put on your account as power of attorney and start transacting on your behalf now should they different story altogether but could they absolutely and as a side note um 
this may may or may not come up. If you go to a bank, you try to become a joint subscriber with a power of attorney and the bank gives you their own in-house power of attorney form, take that to your lawyer because in some instances, the bank's own little in-house paperwork will actually invalidate your other power of attorney. So don't just sign whatever they give you, bring it back to the lawyer to make sure. Well, that's right. Things when you're dealing with things like wills, documents like this, the most recent one usually takes precedent over all of the others. So again, a good lawyer can give you the tips on that and kind of the rundown about how it applies. But uh, you want to make sure, especially if there's a change in the powers that you're granting through the document, that it's applying to what you want it to apply to. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's get back to what the power of attorney can do now after my little rapid trail. Right. So like we said, it starts with pretty well anything that you can do with regards to your finance. And just to clarify here, there are other documents that deal with healthcare, uh, those kinds of directives. We're not going to be talking about that today. We're just going to keep this one strictly to money. So what you can do as the person setting up the power of attorney is you can control things like the timing, uh, the duration of the power of attorney. So do you want it to be for a specific event, for a specific period of time, or do you want it to be ongoing? They call it enduring power of attorney that's just going to kind of run behind the scenes for as long as you let it unless you decide to stop it. Well, one important thing to say, though, too, with the enduring one, that one will kick in or it will continue on if you lose your own mental capacity. The general one, it can shut off, but the enduring one will keep on going if you lose capacity. Right. And you also have discretion over what areas you want that person to have control. So, for example, you might say, or I've seen personally, uh, some power of attorneys where there's limitations to things like real estate. So the person granting the power of attorney has said to their their attorney, their power of attorney, you can do anything that I can do, but you can't sell my house out from under me. Um, or you can do everything that I can do, but you can't do X, Y, and Z. Now, when you make a choice like this, you want to make sure that it's not going to come full circle and hurt you later on, right? Because let's say you set something up like that when you were a little bit younger and now you've gotten older and you haven't really revisited your power of attorney document. You just kind of let it run in the background. And now maybe your capacity has changed, but you need to go into care. And the house really should be sold to start funding some of these care costs. Well, oops, that power of attorney isn't going to do it anymore. And kind of piggyback off of that, the person you've chosen as a power of attorney, there could have been changes in their life where they're no longer at capacity, able, or even live close enough to do those roles faithfully. So sometimes you do need to look at this. And another side thing is you can have more than one person as your power of attorney. It can get a little bit more complicated and how they come to agreements or disagreements, but you do have this option where you can have like a primary, a secondary, where you can have two people acting as a primary, even three people. Oh, sure. And that's one of the decisions that you're going to be making with your lawyer when you set this up. So who is it going to be? Is it going to be one person? Is it going to be two? Do they have to act jointly or can they act separately? So jointly means they're going to have to agree, which depending on who you've named, that can be harder. 
uh, sometimes than others. But there is a third option. And the third option is you can appoint in most circumstances. And I mean, I don't know every province out there, but you usually can appoint a lawyer or a trust or something along those lines. So an institution that is experienced in this field. So some people don't want their kids involved. They just want someone impartial to be making these decisions for them based on the facts. If that's the case, you're going to pay some money to have that done and to have that transacted for you on a regular basis. But it is a solution if you don't want your kids kind of fighting about who's doing what and who's making which choice when. Yeah. And the thing to remember, if you don't choose a kid, a family member, a friend or an institution, all this could default to a bureaucrat or the courts. Oh, that's very important. If you do not have a power of attorney and you lose mental capacity, exactly. You've let the courts decide for you. And who wants a, a bureaucrat making your very personal money decisions, combing through your investments, combing through your bank account and deciding, oh, let's choose this facility over that facility because maybe this one costs less. Well, maybe that's not the best decision for you. Uh, you want someone, if you can, swing it, someone that actually cares, someone that you trust. And that comes from usually years and years of knowing that individual. So we can talk a little bit more about the responsibilities of the power of attorney, but um, essentially when you're setting it up, go through all these checks and balances up front. So one other thing that we hadn't really talked about is a lot of people will set up a power of attorney today, but they'll have it not take effect until a specific triggering event has happened. So Cam had alluded to that with the uh, the longer term enduring ones. But in this particular instance, what we're referring to is a lot of people will want a neutral third party like a doctor or maybe more than one doctor. Sometimes it can be two doctors that have to verify and sign off on the incapacity or the change in capacity. And without a triggering event, you still have this document. It's still running along behind the scenes, but that person could not go to the bank and could not add themselves to your accounts and could not start transacting. So basically it's there for when you need it, but until you need it, it's not going to take effect. So that's a way that a lot of people like to see these things set up just because they have the peace of mind of knowing that it can be there. They've chosen their person. They trust that person. It's set up. It's ready to go if something happens unexpectedly, but it's not started yet. Well, something we should probably also clarify, though, too, if you do have a power of attorney, it's active, it doesn't exclude you from making decisions yourself. So let's say you're trying to be proactive, you have a power of attorney helping with your investments, so to speak. You can still do all of your regular uh, financial stuff. You can pay your bills, go to the bank, make your own fun decisions. It doesn't exclude you as long as you haven't lost your capacity yet. So some people will do this jointly. Uh, we've got Several clients, they'll come in with their power of attorney to talk to us just so the power of attorney can act as like a sounding board, someone to help clarify or make decisions. But you can still remain in control, so to speak, and you can work hand in hand with the power of attorney or just farm out the things you don't want to do to them. 
Well, and we see this happen a lot with people as they're getting a little bit older and they want their kids to be more involved in their finances or they want one of their kids in particular to really look under the hood and see what's going on. So this is a great kind of soft way to bring them into that conversation. At our firm, we also have something that's kind of a step below that, not a legal document, but we've got something that we call the trusted contact person. What that is, is an individual can name another individual, usually a spouse or an adult child, on their account that can get information only about the account, but they can't actually act. So they can't transact on their parents' behalf, they can't transact on their spouse's behalf, but they can call us up and say, oh, hey, you know, uh, mom hasn't been feeling very well lately. Yeah, I don't think she's done X, Y, Z. Can you check on that for me? And then now that we have that authorization, we can speak to that individual. So different institutions will have different versions of this where it's not a full power of attorney. So it's it's not legal authorization to act, but it is kind of like a little bridge in the gap. So we usually see that happen first at our level and then a more formal power of attorney. And we always ask clients, regardless of their age, if they have them and if they do to bring them in, just so that we can be aware of who the person is, verify their identity, make sure that they're set up on the system Uh, And in our files so that if they need access to something quickly, they've already been verified and identified as that individual. Yeah, exactly. We get copies of the power of attorney. We get everything registered on our end so we know who we're talking to and how we can get things processed. Um, So let's kind of switch over a little bit. So let's talk about what the responsibilities are for the power of attorney. It's not a set it and forget it kind of thing. The person who has been named the power of attorney, they have to take responsibility. They have to document everything they're doing. They have to act ethically and legally, and they have to make their notes and just keep track of everything that's going on. So if something did come up, they can show the work they did and they can be accountable all the way through. Because that's a big part of it is just maintaining that accountability and the responsibility and the ethics behind to make sure that they're doing the work properly in the way that you wanted them to. Well, that's it. Part of accepting this job comes with a responsibility, not just to that individual who set you up as the power of attorney, but also ultimately to their estate and to any other beneficiaries that they might have. Because if you're making a decision today, it can ultimately affect the value of the estate, especially if you start buying or selling different assets or taking on liabilities or things like that. You want to make sure that there is some kind of record keeping. So as power of attorney, that's actually your best protection. It documents what you did, why you did it, and when. And I mean, some people will just refer back to the bank account statements. So they'll basically say, oh, you know what? Let's set up a joint account between me and this individual. And a lot of cautionary things to talk about there, but this is something that's very popularly done, so it's probably worth discussing. Um, I would say the first thing that you have to be aware of is as soon as money goes into a joint account with someone else's name on it, it legally becomes both of your property. So limiting the amount in there can be a very important step. 
Also, when you've kind of done your background check on the person that's going to be your your power of attorney, you're going to want to make sure that they're in a stable relationship, that they don't have any creditors knocking at the door, uh, that they're if they're a business owner, that their business is stable and not in trouble kind of thing, because you don't want someone else to claim that this is that person's money and that they can now use that money to settle one of their own things. So I've actually got a story of what can happen when these things go horribly wrong. Um, We had at our firm a longtime client that we had a great relationship with who started to have some changes in her mental capacity. So in this particular instance, she had four kids Uh, They didn't all live locally. So there was one in particular that lived locally, and she chose to name that person as her power of attorney. So we kind of went through the process, did all the right things. We'd met that individual in person multiple times. And as the parent's capacity was starting to change, her preference was that every time she had a decision to make or wanted to run something by us, or needed to take out some money, she would get her daughter, we would do a conference call, and the three of us would talk together about kind of what was going on in mom's life and why, and then the three of us would kind of settle on, okay, yeah, this makes sense, Uh, we're going to do X, we're going to, you know, move this investment here, we're going to take out a bit of cash for that expense that mom has coming up those kinds of things. So one day we were kind of going through our our regular checks and balances on client records and we got a confirmation that a large sum of money had come out of this client's account. It was in the six-figure mark and that was highly unusual because this person that we know very well would always call us to have these discussions with her power of attorney. And in this particular instance, the other thing that was unusual was rather than having this request come through our office, as they typically would, the person who initiated the request went around us completely and went directly to the financial institution that held mom's money. So we see this confirmation in the mail and we we go, well, what's going on? We haven't heard from this client. So that started about a three week to a month period of trying to find this client because she wasn't answering her phone and we'd be leaving her messages and calling her every week kind of thing just to kind of say, what's going on? Are you okay? What's happened? And uh, eventually I had to reach out to her trusted contact person and say to them, hey, you know, we haven't we haven't heard from this person in a while. We have reason to believe that something's going on. Can you just let us know what's up with them? And we found out that mom in this case was actually in the hospital and had been in the hospital for over a month at that point in time. And she had a new cell phone, but it was not a number that she'd had previously. I guess one of her kids had got it for her when she went into the hospital. So we called her And we said, hey, you know, this is going to sound a little strange, but are you aware that this sum of money has come out of your bank account? And we had one of those moments where there was a very long pause on the other end of the line, and she still had enough capacity to kind of know what was going on. It would come and go based on the day. But she said, you know what? No, I had no idea. 
And that started a process of getting the other beneficiaries involved, getting the other children involved, and ultimately a conversation with the power of attorney who did sign to take out this money. And she actually, it was even trickier. She had her mom sign and when her mom was at a limited capacity portion. So the mom didn't even realize what she was signing and she sent it in direct to this financial institution. So we didn't have a chance to check it. And essentially now there's a legal issue that's, that's come up. So this is a very serious power and it can go very, very bad. And I mean, there's a personal cost there as well, where this person was completely devastated that her daughter would do this to her. And we had some conversations through this and we kind of, we stopped immediately talking to that power of attorney. We recommended that the mom see a lawyer immediately get it revoked um, because of its misuse. But ultimately we found out from the mom that the daughter just felt like she had done all this work and she should be compensated. And when she talked to her mom about it and her mom said, well, no, I want it to be equal between you and your your siblings. She took matters into her own hands and just took out the money. So uh, my big word of caution here is with your financial institution, with your advisor, with your bank, would someone have caught that for you? Would someone have noticed that a big chunk of change went out and would they have taken that initiative to spend literally an entire month trying to hunt you down <laughs> just to make sure that there was no funny business going on. And I mean, that's the kind of duty of care that we feel we owe our clients. And and that comes with having a good knowledge of their situations and what's normal for that individual. So we knew that this was not normal. We pursued it. And of course, we realized that something very wrong had happened. But had it not been caught it would have diminished the value of the estate for everyone. And who knows? I mean, the power of attorney could have decided to continue to drain her mom's account. So left unchecked, these things do have a dark side. So please be sure that the person that you've got is the person you trust or put a fail safe inside there like Cam had been talking about with a secondary named on there. And just make sure that the person understands that their responsibilities include accountability, not just to you, but also to the beneficiaries ultimately for any changes in the value of the estate as a result of their actions. Yeah, we don't want to scare you off for powers of attorney. We just wanted to give this example because it kind of highlights how the whole process can work. And more often than not, things go well. It's not every day someone tries to embezzle six figures out of your investment account, but this is something that should be thought about. This is why we keep talking with someone you know, someone you can trust, and someone you can hope for won't try and do something like this. But then again, 99% of the time when we deal with powers of attorney, this doesn't come up. But this does show how the system works, how people can get around it, and what to be on the lookout for, both as you as an individual, even for us on the institutional side, what we watch out for. At the same time, the power of attorney, it can help. Like I said, we do have a lot of instances where the power of attorney comes in, they can help their, their parent or whoever they're representing and just make things easier for them going forward while still making sure that everything is done right and the estate and the inheritance gets protected or it's spent in a way that makes the person as comfortable as possible. 
That's right. And sorry if that uh, that was a little scarier, if that took a turn. Um, unfortunately, like I said, it, it can be the reality and it is something that we need to know that we're checking for. So just as a quick, what can the power of attorney not do? Because I don't think we've covered that yet. They cannot change their beneficiary. So in these kinds of cases where people are trying to take out money, they've probably tried to give themselves a more of a share of the inheritance and got roadblocked, essentially found out that doesn't work. They also cannot make a will for you. So that's really important. So who you choose ultimately as your beneficiaries are going to be set in stone. So it's not something that you can change down the road. And I mean, in this instance, all of this could have been avoided or in other instances like this, power of attorneys don't always necessarily have to be paid. I mean, not here anyways, it might be different in other areas, but that might be something that you want to talk to your power of attorney about and have documented ahead of time just to avoid a situation where they feel like they're putting in a lot of work and not getting anything for it. Yeah. So it's either just a stipend every month or every year, or just an extra clause in the will that they get X percent more because of all the work they did. It's just coming to an agreement and just documenting it. That's right. Yeah. Some will be a fixed percentage. Uh, sometimes we've seen uh, beneficiary designations changed by the individual. So by the person who owns the contracts to give more to the person that's helped them, not necessarily always with a power of attorney, but maybe that person does a lot for them around the house or visits them a lot more regularly or is just generally more involved in their lives. So that's that's essentially about it. But anytime you're giving someone else control over your money, it is a shift of power. So just don't feel like you can't question their decisions. You are still the ultimate and everything that gets done is supposed to be done, like Cam said, in your best interest to make you the most comfortable as possible, um, to make sure that your original intentions were honored through this period of time where the power of attorney is in effect. So if you do have a power of attorney, I would encourage you to take a look at it, especially if it was done many, many, many years ago. Take a look and see if there are triggering events. Take a look and see if there are limitations to it. Another thing to watch out for is any changes in your provincial laws that may have happened since it was done up because that can affect the validity of it also. Absolutely. Make sure there were no new powers of attorney named after that one that could take precedent, that kind of thing. Um, review who you've named. How? What are their financial situations like? Is this someone that could easily be tempted if you have large investment accounts or large assets? Are they financially reliable, financially stable? Do they have any creditors or bad relationships that could be a detriment to you or at least a negative motivation for them. Even people you love and trust, sometimes bad things happen and people make bad choices. So it's just making sure that you've taken all these things into consideration. And the best way to do that is to find a good lawyer that is very well versed in this area in your province that can walk you through the pros and cons, the rules, how it all works, how this should be set up in your specific situations and if there should be any limitations either on assets or on timelines or if this is something that you want to run for a good long time. 
So we hope that helped you today. Again, sorry if that got a little dark in there. Um, just just trying to be honest and share what we see from time to time as, as a bit of a cautionary tale. There are way more good stories than there are bad of POAs who've done great work, made wonderful decisions, and really helped their families out over the long term. So until the next time, take care and all the best. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.